And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. We're going to step in it today, I'm sure. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Jason Hyde here in the bunker. We are live from the super secret underground bunker at Sci Fi For Me World Headquarters. And if you are with us live, the chat is open for you to share your thoughts and engage in a little conversation. Keep it clean. Keep it polite. Just because we're on the internet doesn't mean that anybody can say anything you want. I'm just going to put the chat rules up there. This is not something that I normally do, but this is kind of in anticipation for today's topic. If you are not live with us, you can always leave your comment or send us an email live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. And if you prefer to consume your programs by podcast, we do have a number of players where the show is available iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Double Twist, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Pocket Casts, where you can find all of that. And, of course, we do invite you to check us out on all of the social media accounts where we post various announcements and links and that sort of thing uh, to, uh, to make sure that you are up to speed, up to date, and current on everything that we're doing here because we do a lot. And uh, if you're not subscribed to the channel yet, we do invite you to uh, check that out. Give us a subscribe and a thumbs up on your way out. Make sure your notifications are turned on. And we also would like you to uh, subscribe to our newsletter. On the off chance, you know, we get deplatformed somewhere, the newsletter will be a way that we can stay in touch with people and let you know what's going on. We're going we're gonna to do a lot more with that this year as well. All right, so... So let us get to it a little bit. First of all, let me let me do a couple of things here. And and sci-fi snob, no, I am not dressing down to appeal to the female audience. Um, I'm not sure how much of a female audience we actually have. So yeah, that it would it would probably be a a futile effort on my part, aside from the fact that Mrs. Boss might have a thing or two to say about it. But yesterday, let me go back to uh, something that happened yesterday before I get into today's topic. This is just a very, very, very quick rant and complaint about YouTube. They uh, Now, for those of you who don't understand and you don't know how the process is on this thing, anytime we set up a live stream, or if we upload a video that's you know a pre-recorded thing, whenever we put a video of any kind on YouTube, there is a, a web address, a URL, this long alphanumeric 
address, you know, you click here and go see the video. And YouTube will also generate what's called a short code, which is a shortened, uh, abbreviated version of that code. And yesterday I set up the stream for the, the show I did about Larry King and, and Johnny Carson. And as I'm getting ready to post the short code, the link out to all the social media, I noticed something odd. YouTube, now I get it, this is a completely random thing and it's generated by an algorithm and AIs are stupid, but YouTube had generated a short code for this video that ends in an F-bomb. And I caught it just in time. But now, if, here's, here's my options. I can either delete the stream and upload the recorded version, in which case it generates a new link that doesn't have the vulgarity in the middle of the code. Or I keep the video up and not ever share the link to anyone and continue to complain to YouTube with the screenshot and says, this is unacceptable. In which case, what does that do? And I've, I've shown it to a few people who are all naturally surprised. Uh, some shock and dismay. Some, what the actual heck is that? Because algorithms are only as smart as the people what program them. And you would think that a billion-dollar corporation like Alphabet, Google, YouTube would have at least one person on the staff who would think, hey, what if the random generator generates something offensive? Maybe we should program something into the generator that doesn't let it happen. And I cannot believe that this is the very first time ever that something like this has happened. I'm sure that I am not the first to get some sort of a randomly generated code that includes a vulgarity in the middle of it. Now, there are rules when you try to get a personalized license plate. And we have here on our channel a list of words to filter... It's not that hard to set up. It's not that hard to sit there and go, you know what? When you're generating these short codes, don't put these letter combinations together. It's not hard. Now, very likely what's going to happen is I'm going to end up having to delete that video and re-upload it so that short code goes away. But in the meantime, I'm going to continue to complain to YouTube because that's what I do. I'm a complainer. I'm a grump. I'm a curmudgeon. Ask Mrs. Boss. I am constantly going on about something. Windows 10. I hate Windows 10. Yeah, yes, Mazer is colorful metaphor indeed. 
Uh, and and I I have I have a, a feeling that it's not going to change. I have a feeling, because I did complain about it over on Twitter and I tagged YouTube and of course Team YouTube says, Oh well, you know, thanks for the tag. We you know go through this feedback form. I, I did, and I will continue to do so. And then I get some busybody named Dave. Dave who is a card-carrying member of the Busybody Brigade. I've never interacted with him, don't know who he is, didn't tag him, don't have any idea where he comes from, and it is none of his business, but he interjects himself into the conversation and has an opinion about my aggravation at this vulgarity in the short coat, basically calling me out. Well, it's, the video's right there on your homepage. Yes, so I can't copy and paste the URL into any kind of post because there's a vulgarity in it. What do you not understand, Dave? And Dave continues to tweet two or three or four or five different pieces of engagement, let's say, and he's rather rude and condescending. And I go over and I look at his channel and, oh, hey, by the way, Dave is complaining about an Amazon delivery driver who didn't put the package where he was supposed to and didn't wear a mask. Dave, you got your own problems. Mind your own business. All right, that's all I got to say about that. So in any case, whether it's that or if it's anything else, the, the number one rule, and I had to remind myself of this, the number one rule in any of these discussions, do not engage. And that's going to hold true with all of this that we're about to get into. Now, normally, when we're talking about Star Wars, we've got two shows for this. We have Salacious Crumbs, which is our news program. And then we have the Ranker Pit, which is our roundtable discussion. And it's me and it's Mrs. Boss and McKenna. And, and sometimes we have guests and sometimes, sometimes not. And generally that show is fairly lighthearted. And I know McKenna doesn't really quite like it when I get serious about various topics. And this is an uncomfortable topic. It is one of those things where the question of the culture at Lucasfilm becomes front and center because of things what are going on on the Internet. Now, I know there's a lot of back and forth about the supposed, alleged, rumored, speculated civil war within Lucasfilm. And I can't speak to that because I don't have any information one way or the other, whether it's real or whether it's manufactured. I can see it going either way. But you look at some of the behavior of people who are representing the Star Wars brand. And you have to wonder just what is going through the minds of the executives at Lucasfilm. What's going through the minds of the human resources people at Lucasfilm? Because they're hiring folks that are acting in a way... Well, let's just say that Emily Post would have something to say about it. 
Now, a few weeks ago, we had Pablo Hidalgo making fun of Star Wars theory in particular, but in general, people who had any kind of emotional reaction to Luke Skywalker's appearance in The Mandalorian. And it was a rare thing to see Hidalgo end up posting an apology for that. I don't know that anybody else has really had to deal with consequences of his behavior other than Chuck Wendig getting fired off a Darth Vader comic book for his political screeds. I mean, he's just a hateful, hateful person. But for the most part, anybody that is working for Lucasfilm on the one side of the camp is a despicable person online. Now, whether they're that way in person or not, I don't know. But I see their public-facing social media behavior, and it, and it causes me to question whether or not these are people that I would ever want to do business with. And by that, I mean buy their product. And it's going to be one of those things where... Like anything else, I am going to make decisions on an individual basis. I'm not going to sit there and just a blanket, you know, not buy anything ever. But this High Republic stuff just doesn't look appealing to me at all. Now, after the Hidalgo thing, we also had Justina Ireland, who's writing a young reader's book in the High Republic era, pulling a Kelly Sue DeConnick, basically saying, if you don't like my politics, don't buy my book. Now, we saw how that worked out for Kelly Sue DeConnick. She's not working on a comic book anymore. Justina Ireland has a book aimed at young readers. It's set in the High Republic. I don't know what it's about. I don't care because Justina Ireland's behavior is such that I don't want to buy her product. She's basically told me, it's not for you. Okay, I'll take her word for it. And now we have Christina Ariel, the latest victim. <clears throat> Christina Ariel, who is she? Well, let's take a look for just a moment. This is her IMDb listing. For those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, I will try to keep a, keep up here and let you know what we're looking at. But this is her IMDb listing. And if you go through, she's listed here as an actor. Actress is the politically incorrect term. And everything that's on here, these are... Short short web series type of productions. The only one that I recognize is Critical Role, which is a D&D web series. All of the rest of this stuff, TV series, video, short TV series, these are not TV shows. These are web series. These are YouTube series. These are, these are things that are available online, but they're not TV shows in the traditional sense. But she is now the host of the High Republic show which is going to be a show, I guess, taking a behind-the-scenes look or a promotional thing for the new High Republic era of stories over at Lucasfilm. 
Okay. All fine and well and good. People understand that YouTube and online personalities are are just as they have just as much potential for drawing in an audience as any other person out there. Whether they're a Hollywood actor, whether they're a New York stage actor, you know, Shakespearean actor from London, what whatever. There there's appeal to some people who are making their presence and building an audience online, whether it's YouTube or Vimeo or, or their own series on their own website or whatever. Okay, fine. I don't know how popular Christina Ariel is. On IMDb, her rank is, let's see, where did I see that? Her rank, she's up 84,000 positions on the star meter over at IMDb doesn't mean much because I don't know where she started. I'd have to I'd have to log into my pro account and I don't want to take the time to do that right now. But who is she really? Now this goes back a little bit. And for whatever you might think about the fandom menace, just stick with me here because I want to lay out information. And I'm going to present this information as dispassionately as I can and as objectively as I can, because this is something where you need to make up your mind on your own just how you feel about this. I'm not going to tell you how you should think about this. I'm not going to tell you how you should feel about this. I'm just laying out information and asking questions. So with that in mind... Let's start. This is an article uh, by Ichibaka over at Disney Star Wars is Dumb. Ichi does quite a bit of research into uh, these articles. And this article basically lays out a series, a very long series, of posts on Twitter from Christina Ariel that complain and criticize whites, white people. And they are angry generalizations about whites, about whites in general. The number of white women, quote, the number of white women I've had to do, I've had do foul stuff to me than blame me for being intimidating is mind-boggling. I find it super effing annoying when white people dismiss microaggressive behavior with there are real racism problems. Oh, the ones you deny when they make you uncomfortable. This, I mean, these go on and on and on. The irony is, is she sits here and says, white people seem to think that black people exist as a monolith and only believe one way. And she's making these grand sweeping generalizations about white people as a monolith. Some people are just not very self-aware. All of this, I mean, this thing goes on and on and on and on and on. Look at all of this. All of these posts saying rude, disgruntled, foul things about white people. Some of it is a little milder than others. And look, it could very well be 
that she goes off on a tear because something happened. It just caught her in a bad mood and she just pop, 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 pop and did it without thinking. Maybe. But I doubt it. But who is she really? Now, once that article went out, a couple of days later, Bounding in the Comics did one. And after that is when all hell broke loose. Jack Posobiec over at One American News Network retweeted the link. And then suddenly Star Wars was trending. And not for good reasons. Because now we're talking about how racists were attacking Christina Ario and how sexists were attacking Christina Ariel. Now suddenly, Christina Ariel is the victim here because people saw the stuff that she had posted and they were reacting to it. Now, again, let me, let me be very clear. Do not engage with these people. But there were some people that came back at her and the expected backlash and the rudeness and, and that happens. But she set herself up by posting what she posted. Bigoted, racist rants. I don't care what color you're talking about. You don't talk about people that way. Not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And Christina Ariel has demonstrated her character in this behavior. Now, a lot of people are brigading to coming, coming to her defense. And you have all of these articles about Disney defending Christina Ariel, Lucasfilm, Star Wars, all of these things. Now, Star Wars comes out and does a statement. Saying that we don't believe, you know, we don't, we don't support bullying and racism. We support Christina Ariel. And that got some blowback as well. Because people are now saying, well, wait a minute. Where was this statement when John Boyega got sidelined? And we know he got sidelined because he came out and said he got sidelined. He says in an interview that he was the only member of the cast who was treated the way he was treated because of his color, because of his race. Finn was sidelined as a character and basically turned into almost a parody of himself in The Last Jedi. There were a lot of fans who saw potential in that character. a stormtrooper who rejects his position as a stormtrooper and has the potential to be a Jedi. I'm on, I'm, I'm on board. There were all sorts of people that were looking at that thing and this is going to be an interesting story arc. And then it didn't happen. The Kelly Marie Tran bit. Now it was, reported that Kelly Marie Tran was harassed off of the internet by racists and sexists. 
And there are plenty of places out there researching and looking into this and not finding any evidence of that. Now, there were a lot of complaints about Kelly Marie Tran's character, Rose Tico, who was a badly written character. But there wasn't a whole lot in terms of complaints about Kelly Marie Tran. For the most part, by and large, Star Wars fans seem to be quite pleased with Kelly Marie Tran. She's cute. She's bubbly. She's energetic. She's talented. She was wasted in this trilogy. And the complaints that I saw were about her character. Same as, as with Ray. Ray was a Mary Sue. Ray didn't have any development as a character. And then the other part in response to this Star Wars statement of saying they don't, uh, they don't support racism and bullying, people started asking, well, wait a minute, why didn't you wish happy birthday to James Earl Jones? James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader, had his 90th birthday the day before Martin Luther King Day and was not acknowledged at all by the Star Wars social media account. Now, whoever's running that account should be held to account. There are questions to ask. Why didn't Star Wars... Because Star Wars wished a happy birthday to Kelly Marie Tran... Why didn't Star Wars wish a happy birthday to James Earl Jones, who just turned 90 years old? His voice is part of why Darth Vader is such an iconic character. Why not recognize that? Could it be because James Earl Jones is a registered Republican? Could it be because he's a conservative? Maybe. Maybe. I say maybe because I don't know. Like I said, I'm presenting information and I'm asking questions. I am not here to pillory anybody working at Lucasfilm. But there are people working at Lucasfilm who should right now be engaged in a certain amount of self-examination. And with this tweet, is Lucasfilm giving Christina Ariel a pass on her bigotry? Mazur says it's possible James Earl Jones didn't want to be mentioned because he's done with the fandom and a new guy is doing Vader's voice going forward. That's a possibility. That is a possibility. But when the fans are the ones who say, hey, what about James Earl Jones? Well, yes. James Earl Jones didn't want us to say anything. So we didn't. I mean, there's an easy, there's an easy way to address that. But when you do the research... Who is Christina Ariel really? Now she comes in and she spouts off all of this bigoted, terrible, angry stuff about white people. 
And when you dig into it a little bit, and when you do the research, lo and behold, hold up, she's married to a white guy. Hold up. This woman who has taken to Twitter to complain about white people is married to a white people. Which now begs the question, is this a PSYOP? Could this be manufactured controversy to generate interest in the High Republic by making Christina Ariel a sympathetic character a victim of racism and abuse. But why would they do that? I mean, Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule, the first book in the High Republic era, is a New York Times bestseller. It's flying off the shelves, they say. Except it's not. And, come to find out, just because it's on the New York Times bestseller list does not necessarily mean that it's a bestseller. There's an article here in The Observer, observer observer.com, talking about how there are companies in the publishing industry that game the system to get their title on the New York Times bestseller list, even if it hasn't sold. The idea being that if you can market the book as a New York Times bestseller list, then, oh, this must be a really fantastic book. I'll go buy it. It's a sales tool. It's a marketing gimmick. Same with the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. It doesn't necessarily mean that the book has sold a lot. And if you go and look, there are plenty of people who are posting photos all over about this book still being on the shelves. Is it a bestseller? Are people really interested in the High Republic? Well, according to Google Trends, no. And this is just the data from the United States. I could put in worldwide and you'd get a similar graph here. This is a comparison between search terms for High Republic, The Mandalorian, Luke Skywalker, and Gina Carano. And you can see here, those of you who are listening as a podcast, I apologize, you can't see it. But The Mandalorian is far and away much more popular as a topic in Google search than the High Republic. Luke Skywalker is a much more popular topic on Google search than the High Republic. Gina Carano also a much more popular topic for Google search than the High Republic. If you look at this graph, no one practically is interested in the High Republic. Nobody cares. 
Uh, no, Mazers, the red line is the Mandalorian. The green line right here, I've got a red line, a yellow line, a green line, and a blue line, for those of you who are listening. The red line is far and above everything else. That is the Mandalorian. It is the most popular of these four topics. And, and Luke Skywalker is the next most popular. And a lot of this trend is in and around the last episode of The Mandalorian, date-wise. And Gina Carano, of course, is, is popular in search because, one, you have a lot of people that are throwing their support for Gina because of the bullying and harassment that she has had to deal with. By the way, Star Wars, um, Lucasfilm, you have an employee, you have a cast member who is the target of bullying and harassment. Do you stand by Gina Carano as much as you stand by Christina Ariel? Inquiring minds want to know. Nobody is interested in the High Republic. The book is not selling. The book is boring. I've read the first eight chapters. It was made available for free so people could read it. They really want you to buy this book. So they're pulling out all the stops, making it available for people to read. I read the first eight chapters. I wrote a review. It's boring. The characters are uninteresting. But I tell you, even though you have a lot of disinterest, even though nobody is interested in the High Republic, there are a lot of people who are making a bunch of noise about it. Are these the, the corporate shills that we hear about all the time? Are these people who have a vested interest in the success of High Republic? Because if you look at the online behavior of most of the Disney Lucasfilm story group that's responsible for Star Wars and the High Republic, a lot of them are of this same kind of ilk. They're on the same page in terms of how they view their fans, how they treat the fans. Brian Young is an example of that, yes. Pablo Hidalgo. Ron Mars has come out saying some rather nasty things. But I don't see Star Wars, Lucasfilm, sticking up for Gina Carano, and she's been harassed and bullied and insulted for months. And people have made assumptions about her politics, about her personal politics, based on some of the stuff that she's posted. Now, for the record, in all of the interviews that I have heard her do, that I have watched, Drunk 3PO, The Federalist, various different places, she has never said, one way or the other, how she votes or what her politics are. But she asks questions. And she posts some provocative things and maybe sometimes it's a little much. Who knows? 
Your mileage may vary. It's a matter of taste. But the blowback against Gina Carano, the hashtag fire Gina Carano trends quite a bit. People would like to see Gina Carano replaced or kill off her character. I don't see Lucasfilm coming out in support of Gina Carano, who's being bullied and harassed. Is it because she's not engaged in right think, in proper think, in correct think? I don't know. Nobody's got any interest in the High Republic. What about the comics? Oh, see, because there's comics involved too. And here's this article over here from Bleeding Cool, and I really hate to put Bleeding Cool out here at all, saying that the High Republic number one has sold 200,000 copies. But has it? Now, here's a thing that some of you might or might not know when it comes to the direct market of comic books. The numbers that are reported in places like this, Comicron.com and, and Bleeding Cool, any of the comic book websites, when they're talking about sales of individual monthly periodicals, the floppies, the, the single issues, all of the numbers that are reported are sales to retail shops, comic book shops, bookstores, and that sort of thing. So if there's 200,000 copies out there in the wild... That does not mean at all that customers have bought 200,000 copies. Now, a, a caveat on this is that anytime you have a comic book with a main cover and variant covers, and this one being Marvel, we, we have been here before. Any of us who have any kind of passing familiarity with the with the comic industry knows that Marvel engages in predatory sales tactics. We will flood the shelves with Marvel titles so you can't put anything else out. We will force you to order several thousand copies of the main cover in order to qualify for any of the variant covers and the variant covers are usually at a one to 25 ratio, which means that you have to buy 25 main covers in order to order one variant cover. And if you've got more than one variant, in this case, I believe there's three. So in order to get even one copy each of the variant covers, you're going to have to order 75 of the regular book. Can you sell them all? Now, the number one issue of any book is always going to be something that the speculators bring out. You know, they buy it, they stop, you know, they sock it away. Hopefully, that it, you know, it gains in value and it sells for two point two million dollars one of these days, like like Batman number one just did from nineteen forty. This is not going to be one of those books. 
This is going to be more like the pile of X-Men number ones that I have from 1991, I think. The reboot that Marvel did. I've got a whole slew of them. I got a, I got a box full of them. They're worthless. They're number ones, though. But they're worthless. Who's buying these? Who's buying these comics? Because I have yet to read or, or watch, in terms of video, I have yet to see any kind of positive reviews of this. And if you look here, this is a, this is a site I'm not familiar with, so take this for what it's worth. This is a site called Comic Book Roundup. And it looks like they've kind of got this score, kind of like Metacritic does for movies. The critic rating on this site, 7.9, I'm assuming on a 10-point scale. The user rating, 6.9. Average? It's okay, maybe? I mean, usually if you're looking at something like IGN, that might be doing, you know, 11 out of 10, because IGN does that kind of thing. Does that mean it's a good story? Does that mean it's a good book? We don't know. But also stop and consider that High Republic number one from Marvel Comics is where Kevin Scott had our lead character here use a lightsaber to stop her fall by stabbing it into a tree and it stops. Now, he's since acknowledged that's bad on him because lightsabers don't work that way. And it's good that he sat there and said, yep, my bad, I got that wrong. Because he could very well have sit there and go, well, how dare you criticize? You're just a hater. And he did not do that, and that's good on him. I will give him props for that. But you look at some of the animation that they're using to promote this stuff. It's okay. It, you know, CalArt style, Tumblr art, flash animation. It doesn't look that good. It doesn't look interesting. Bottom line, the High Republic is likely to fail. And when, if it does, now they have set things up so that it failed because of the bullies. It failed because of the racists out there. It failed because of the sexist bigots. We have been here before, and we will be here again. Because when you have someone who is married to a white person complaining about white people and now has a show about an intellectual property that no one is interested in, how do you generate interest? How do you get media coverage on the High Republic if no one is interested in it? 
How do you generate interest in a story, in a book, in a comic book, in a, in a TV show, in a movie? Captain Marvel. And speaking of Captain Marvel, remember there was a question then even about Disney buying up tickets in job lots. Oh, they're sold out. 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 And we see picture after picture after picture after picture of empty theaters. So did it sell out? The world may never know. So are these 200,000 copies of High Republic number one from Marvel Comics, are they actually selling? Or is this manufactured? And is all of this controversy about Christina Ariel, the latest in a line, is this manufactured? Is this being generated in order to create interest and put attention on, oh, hey, by the way, we've got this story set that's coming out. This set of comic books over here and these young reader books over here and these novels over here and it's called The High Republic and it is the greatest thing since sliced bread. We're going to ignore Luke Skywalker. The Mandalorian's over here. Yeah, okay, Mandalorian. Mandalorian, it's a thing. But look, we've got this shiny new squirrel called the High Republic. Like this. Or else. It's a cycle. There's a pattern to this. Somebody says something stupid. Gets blowback. Cries victim. The brigade comes to their defense. How dare you attack this person? How dare you abuse this person? How dare you bully this person? You racist, sexist, homophobe, bigot pig. And by extension, because you have complained and bullied our creator person here, you're also attacking our product. And our product doesn't deserve the abuse. Our product deserves to be seen. Our product deserves the attention and, and objective consumption. You must consume. Where are my sunglasses? You must consume. It doesn't matter if it's good or not. All that matters is that the people that are creating it have been bullied on social media. And how dare you be a bully by our product? How dare you be a racist by our product? How dare you be a bigot by our books, by our comics, watch our movies? Ladies and gentlemen, as a member of the media for 32 years, I can tell you that this kind of thing is a gimmick. It is a marketing gimmick. There's no such thing as bad press, they say. 
If it bleeds, it leads. It's all part of the same kind of mentality that goes into doing this kind of thing. Some people buy into the notion that controversy sells. Because in this day and age, sex doesn't sell. Or it shouldn't. It does, but it shouldn't. Because that's bad. Buy our product or else. Or else we'll call you names. Or else we will try to get you deplatformed. By the way, there was a subreddit, Saltier Than Crate, that has a list. A list now of unacceptable sites. You are no longer allowed to post links from these sites. Among them, Bounding Into Comics, Geeks and Gamers, Pri uh, Pirates and Princesses, which is clown f Clownfish, Clownfish TV, Drunk3PO, Forbes. That one was a surprise because it goes back to an acknowledgement from Forbes and other places that The Last Jedi was not very good. And the rise of Skywalker was not very much better. And Lucasfilm has a problem. Lucasfilm has a PR problem. Uh, set aside the, the story problems. Set aside the issues that they have delivering the goods when it comes to Star Wars. Or Willow. Or Indiana Jones. What are those going to look like? This is just the Star Wars IP at this point. We don't even know how they're going to be dealing with those other properties. How are they going to handle Indiana Jones now? How are they going to handle Willow now? Who will be the victim of bullying connected to those properties and what happens when Kenobi comes out is Star Wars going to stand up if Deborah Chow gets criticized because Kenobi and Deborah Chow Deborah Chow is one of Favreau's people has John Favreau come out and called people names no now if you go and look at his Twitter timeline, he is very, 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 very vocal in terms of politics. But you don't get that in his show. And you don't get him online criticizing fans for not liking one or the other or the other. He keeps his politics personal and out of his work, which to me is admirable. I don't agree with him at all on his personal politics. I don't have to. He and Dave Filoni make The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian so far has proven to be an enjoyable, entertaining Star Wars show. I don't care what their politics are. 
But if you lead with your politics, if you lead with your identity, instead of telling me why I should be interested in your story, then it begs the question, do you have much of a story to begin with? I don't care about you, Christina Ariel. I don't care about you, Justina Ireland. I don't care about Charles Soule. I don't care about Pablo Hidalgo. I don't care about Kevin Scott or Daniel, what's his name? Daniel Ortega or whoever, whoever is, is making Star Wars. How you personally feel about any given subject is immaterial and should be irrelevant to the conversation. And I would say the same thing to a conservative creator. I don't care. Tell me a good story. Tell me a story that fits into this universe that has been established for almost 50 years. Because there are rules in place. There are conventions to adhere to when telling a certain kind of story. You are in somebody else's sandbox when you're telling a Star Wars story. And this is true whether it's Star Wars or Star Trek or Doctor Who or Battlestar Galactica or Pokemon or, or Sailor Moon or My, My Little Pony. Doesn't care. I, it doesn't matter. Those intellectual properties, those story universes come with expectations, both on the creative side and on the fan side. The fans expect a certain type of thing. And when you don't deliver the certain type of thing, they're going to sit there and complain. Stephanie Janicek, yes. John Fa there are two John Favreaus. There's John Favreau, the guy who makes Star Wars, and there's John Favreau who's got a who got a political opinion. He keeps them separate, and I admire him for that. There are others in the Star Wars camp who would do well to learn from him. Where all of this is going to go, who knows? Is the High Republic going to fail? Is it going to succeed? Who knows? But one way or the other, whether it fails or succeeds, should be on the merits of the work. The proof is in the pudding, as they say. Is the book good? Is the story good? So far, I'm not impressed. That's my personal opinion. Yours might be different. And out there in the wild, some opinions are changing, at least publicly, now that there's an acknowledgement. Now that there's an acknowledgement that the sequels are not all that good.
I'm looking. It's a it's a good a good conversation going on in the chat. I haven't really uh, said anything too much, but yes, it is. It is a product. It is uh, something that the creators of the product have a responsibility to the consumer. I, I mean, you, you're not just fans. You're customers. They are making a product and they want you to buy it. And there are not enough people on the creative side of things who understand that, who seem to understand that. You're selling a widget. You want it to be the best widget of all. And you want people to want your widget. And you want people to spend money and buy your widget. So your widget needs to be something that's worth the time and the money. You have to deliver value. You have to deliver value. It's really, really, really early in the game for the High Republic. There is a possibility that it's good. We still have a couple of other comic book properties to come out. We have, I think, the YA, a couple of YA titles still to come. Some other novels that are in the pipeline. There's The Acolyte, which is the new TV show from, from Leslie Headland. I don't have high expectations for any of this, but I am willing to be pleasantly surprised. I am willing to sit and watch the show and enjoy the show if it tells me an entertaining story. I don't care who made it. And they shouldn't care who watches it. They shouldn't care who buys it. And if Star Wars and Lucasfilm is going to be consistent that they don't support racism or bullying, then that should be the case in every case where people are being harassed and bullied. Lucasfilm should sit there and say, enough is enough is enough. Stop it. But they haven't. The line in the sand keeps getting drawn in different places. And it's time for someone at Lucasfilm, maybe someone higher up at Disney, to put their foot down and say, enough is enough. We'll see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here. All of you in the chat, RJ at Critical Blast, Mazarus, Eastland, Stephanie, James, Sci-Fi Snob. Good to see you all here. Hopefully I have not missed anyone. Glad to have you all with us. If you have thoughts that you'd like to share, you can always send us a, an email, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. Suggest a guest that we can have on this show. Or uh, leave your comments and thoughts about anything that we talk about here. And we will be back tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Central, with more rants and discussions. This week we don't have any guests. I'm trying to line up some stuff for next week. And uh, we'll see what happens there. Coming up on Saturday, we will have all of the week's headlines in science fiction, fantasy, and horror 
plus event updates. We've had a few schedule changes. And uh, if there are any events next weekend, we will have the weather forecast for those cities as well. We do invite you to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Those of you who are listening to this show as a podcast, if you would rate the show on your way out, or if you want to leave a comment and some feedback, we do look at all of the messages. We do appreciate all of the feedback that we get from people. We've got some suggestions on some things to try, some experiments to uh, to look at. So we're looking at some of that. And uh, we'll be back to do it all again tomorrow. And hopefully it will be a little bit of a calmer day. But in those cases where it doesn't, where it's not, we always have office dog to look at for a little bit. Or maybe the other office dog. They know where it's at. And it's all good. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you very much for watching, folks. And remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.